Streaming on Broadway for Tuesday, November 7th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, by the time this episode is released, I will be at the wonderful and beautiful Orlando International Airport waiting to take off to get into the air to get to New York City. Then I've got a busy, busy day today uh, as I'm going to a taping of the, uh, what is it, Late Night, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, then going to see Donna Murphy and Hello, Dolly, and then racing over to 54 Below to see the Laura Michelle Kelly concert with special guest Jessica Vosk. So it's going to be a really busy Tuesday for me on my first day in New York. Wait, so that means... I am in charge. Yeah, you're doing the show by yourself tomorrow. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that the first story here might be my focus tomorrow. um, (laughs) Tomorrow? You're going to be talking about this for like, I don't know, two years. Literally almost. (laughs) All right. The Roundabout finally announces a musical for next season. Yes, James, uh, we did not know that this announcement would be made on Monday when we discussed Roundabout's lack of musicals for yesterday's show. But I'd like to think that Roundabout knew we had been talking about it because yesterday RTC announced that as she did in last year's benefit concert, Kelly O'Hara, Tony winner Kelly O'Hara, will lead a revival of Cole Porter's Kiss Me Kate directed by Scott Ellis and choreographed by Warren Carlyle. James, this is obviously great news. I knew you were... quite excited uh, when the press release came in. Uh, But with most great news, there's a catch. The catch is that the show will not hit Broadway until February of 2019 at a venue to be announced. So unless Roundabout announces another Broadway musical between now and then, which they very well might, uh, but if they don't, that means that there will be at least 25 months between the company's last Broadway musical, Holiday Inn, which closed this past January, and this one, Kiss Me Kate, beginning previews in February of 2019. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully they got something else down uh, down the road coming. But O'Hara will again be playing the roles of Lily Vanessi and uh, her onstage counterpart, Kate. Uh, in the 2016 concert, O'Hara was joined by Will Chase, Helena York, Norm Lewis, Robert Fairchild, Chuck Cooper, Amber Amon, Richard Kind, and more. No word at this point if any of those folks will be joining Kelly in the production, but... I would imagine that at least one or two of them will be. I think that's usually the modus operandi of putting these things from benefit to production. I would I would expect some of them to be in there, uh, maybe even more than some. Uh, but, James, on a scale of, I don't know, last election day to whenever Robert Mueller releases his full set of indictments, how excited would you say that you are about this news? Zero being unexcited at all and 10 being metaphysically impossibly excited, I would go 12. (laughs) Anybody who's... McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Uh, Anybody who's followed uh, Broadway Radio over the years knows that you are quite the fan of Miss Kelly O'Hara. Yeah, and uh, so I'm really excited about this and I think it's going to be good and I've seen a lot of pushback from theater friends that are like, oh, really? another Kiss Me Kate? Oh, really? And and I was like, another, I think it's a another great Kiss show. Me Kate. But yeah, and it, it's been like 20 years since uh, the Marin Maisie Brian Stokes Mitchell revival, hasn't it? 
Yeah, it feels like yeah, it, 20, no, it, 20 years. It was. It was 1999. So by the time that this finally gets around to being produced, it will be, um, you know, two decades, uh, which to me, I mean, um, now granted the 99 revival opened officially in November of 99, but pretty close to two decades. Yeah, that's true. And uh, any chance we get to get Kelly back on stage? That's uh, so, you know, what's happening yeah. between now and 2019? <laughs> well, she's well, she's going over to London this summer to do um, uh, The King and I with oh, uh, Ken right. Watanabe uh, over in London. So that's probably what at least one of the delays is in getting this onto Broadway. All right. Next up, the Broadway League announces new efforts to increase accessibilities in theaters. That's uh, yeah. yeah. I'll let you uh, do this first before because you're probably going to cover what I'm going to say. Probably. Yeah. Um, while the press release for this initiative didn't come right out and say it, I think it's pretty obvious uh, that this is tied to the article that we discussed from Mark Hirschberg from Forbes last week about the potential lawsuits that overzealous litigants could potentially bring against Broadway shows and theaters that do not provide accommodations for blind and or deaf audience members. The press release reads, quote, the Broadway League is coordinating efforts of its New York members who are in the process of introducing new technology to provide an improved theater going experience for audience members who are deaf or who experience experience hearing or vision loss. These new services, in addition to currently available assistive listening devices, are provided to theatergoers free of charge. Utilizing breakthroughs in vocal recognition technology, closed captioning and audio description via mobile devices and headsets will be seamlessly synchronized with live action on stage. As an example, if an actor pauses in real time, that pause will be reflected in the new closed captioning and audio description. Some Broadway theaters are currently equipped to provide the new services. The majority of theaters will be offering the new services by January 1st of 2018. The installation and availability of the technology industry-wide will be complete by summer 2018. If you would like more information on these efforts so that you could potentially find loopholes uh, to potentially sue somebody in the future, you can visit www.theateraccess.nyc. Now, James, call me conspiratorial or cynical like we often do, but I would imagine that this was not something that the Broadway League had in its plans before the first lawsuit was brought against Hamilton. I don't know if that was earlier this year or late last year. What are you kidding me? I'm sure they've been working on this for at least five to ten years. <laughs> it's about how long Roundabout's been working on a musical. But yeah, I mean, I mean, look, this is thinly, you know, everyone. I, look, I have no problem with them doing this. I, like we talked about last week, I think the the potential, you know, the the litigant that's filing the suit against Hamilton has done this so many times. It really seems like they're just out to make a buck rather than trying to actually. Um, make some sort of productive changes. But this is great. I have no problem with the Broadway League and the theaters uh, trying to make things more accessible. I think that's something that all theaters should try to do to bring in as many audience members as possible. But let's call a spade a spade. They're trying not to get sued. Well, maybe if this uh, litigant went over to the Bronx Tale, the uh, boys over the Bronx Tale might have something to say to them uh, in hey, the back room. Forget about it. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Bronx Tale, last week's Broadway grosses, how did it do? 
Um, well, I didn't have it in the script, but hold on. Let me find it here for you since you're a <laughs> watermelon, watermelon. Um, yeah, uh, so so a Bronx tale, not in the script, uh, had a red number of $77,246, which means that it dropped down to about 704767 bucks. So, you know, not a great week for them, but it's still doing, I think, a lot better. Just the fact that it's still running, I oh, think, absolutely. Uh, surprises yeah. a lot of people. Um, and they, they've got a new star, Adam Kaplan, coming in here soon. So, But anyway, the box office receipts for The Great White Way were down overall 4.76% last week, or about $1,363. Now, there are a few reasons to explain some of that, but otherwise, it's just a notoriously average week before the holiday traffic picks up later this month. One of the reasons uh, and it actually covers uh, almost the entire deficit that we saw week to week was that Bette Midler had one of her previously scheduled holiday weeks. So Hello Dolly went from 2.3 million to 879,000, the week's biggest decline by more than $1.1 million. And even though Prince of Broadway closed the day before this reporting week began, it was replaced on Broadway by Meteor Shower, which, even though it only played five performances, racked up $631,000, putting it on pace to break a million bucks fairly easily at the tiny, tiny booth theater. Hamilton also picked up more than a quarter million dollars week to week to get it back on the precipice of $3 million. You'll remember that the week before saw one of the production's Eduham performances, which always puts a slight dent in the grosses, although I don't think any of the producers are too worried about that, given the impact that these uh, performances for students have made. Also, on the strength of Jason Mraz joining the production in a buy one, get one for $10 promotion, Waitress saw a nearly $173,000 increase to bring it in at just over 900k of course hamilton had the highest gross followed by springsteen on broadway james have you been told you're cool enough to buy a ticket to that show yet still not cool Okay. Uh, then was Dear Evan Hansen, The Lion King, Wicked, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, and The Phantom of the Opera. All of those were above seven figures. Four plays were at the bottom of the weekly totals. Time in the Conways at $294,552. The play that goes wrong at $332,744. Latin History for Morons at $394,498. But that was done in just six performances, keep in mind. And then Junk at $454,752 two in seven performances, but which also included opening night, which will obviously drive down grosses with all that's involved with that hullabaloo. Uh, as we discussed yesterday, War Paint closed on Sunday and got a modest $58,000 bump to see the show go out at $622,410. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory saw weekly numbers in the red, forget this, the 12th time in the 15 weeks since the last week of July. Now, in fairness, it did see a pretty significant quarter of a million dollar boost in early October. Maybe that was trick or treat related, uh, but the show has backed down below 700 K for just the third time during its Broadway run. And James, you have to be concerned about this one, making it through the holidays. Or I, I guess if you're like most critics, maybe you don't have to be concerned about it. But uh, I think this is one that um, I haven't officially put it on bubble watch yet. Uh, but I think I might soon, not that it really matters because I've had the play that goes wrong on Bubble Watch forever and that thing ain't never closing. <laughs> the play that goes wrong is running television commercials in New York. That's so really? a, uh, they are the longest running play on Broadway, which yeah. I guess, and there's no asterisk in, in the commercial. But, uh, you know, if you read exactly 
uh, take it on face value. I guess it is the longest running play currently on Broadway, but it doesn't say currently. It says anyway. Well, but it's the, it is the longest running play on Broadway, yeah. uh, you know, right now. But, you know, it, it's a little deceptive. A little yeah. Deceptive. Yeah. <laughs> uh... And it's a funny show. It's so I don't think that anybody who yeah. ac- accidentally buys a ticket is going to be disappointed, whereas people who accidentally buy Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tickets. <laughs> Showing casting news. Uh, MTC's The Portuguese Kid Extends. I had to read that press release four times to make sure I had read that correctly. <laughs> yeah, because this is another one of those that uh, people who might not know much about it buy a ticket and then they might be sorely disappointed because <laughs> the reviews for this were all awful. But despite that fact, given the star power behind it, including playwright uh, John Patrick Shanley and star Tony winner Jason Alexander, as well as uh, Tony nominees Sherry Renee Scott and Mary Testa, it's doing pretty well at the box office, so much so that the play has again extended, this time playing through Sunday, December 10th. Tickets for that extension went on sale yesterday, so if you want to sit through the show, feel free to buy those tickets. Uh, Also sticking with off-Broadway news, the exact opposite of what happened with a Portuguese kid. Uh, Yesterday it was announced that Lisa Lampanelli's off-Broadway play Stuffed will close earlier than expected at the West Side Theater. The show will now play its final performance on Sunday, November 19th. Uh, James, I don't... I don't know if I've heard a whole lot of official reviews for this, but the word of mouth is pretty good. Uh, you know, I think people tend to like Lisa Lampanelli. I've interviewed her once. I think she is a hysterical comic. I don't know how that translates to an off-Broadway play. Um, but I'm disappointed that this didn't do better, especially because I heard fairly good things from people who had seen it. So uh, stuff, I don't think that we covered it in uh, This Week on Broadway. Uh, I don't even know if it's I don't even know if it's officially opened yet to be honest with you. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh I I couldn't tell you either direction, but I saw this uh press release as well. Uh and it had donuts in it, so I I got hungry. Yes, it's part of the part of the artwork there. Um but yeah, yeah, um you know, it's something where you like to see somebody coming from uh, another theatric or entertainment field um and and you know hopefully they do well it looks like it officially opened on halloween appropriately enough last week but i did not see a lot of reviews so uh maybe that might indicate why it's closing (laughs) and the muni announces its 100th season performance dates yeah james we've already talked about the really wide-ranging shows that'll be a part of the Muni's 100th uh, anniversary season. Those will be Jerome Robbins' Broadway, The Wiz, Singing in the Rain, Jersey Boys, Annie, Gypsy, and Meet Me in St. Louis. But yesterday, the St. Louis Theater uh, announced the dates that each of those productions will be running. Uh, Jen Tepper, I'm sure, already has plane flights scheduled to go see Jerome Robbins' Broadway. That'll be running on June 11th through 17th of 2018, followed by The Wiz on the 19th through 25th. Fifth, then Singing in the Rain from June 27th through July 3rd, followed by Jersey Boys on July 9th through the 16th, Annie July 18th through the 25th, Gypsy July 27th through August 2nd, and then finally Meet Me in St. Louis from August 4th through 12th. Uh, this is really, I mean, look, it's a every season is something special at the Muni because of how many shows and how many big stars they cram into such a short amount of time. But to have a 100th season, that's really awesome. And then to do some shows, one like Jerome Robbins Broadway, which I mean, literally almost never gets done because of the limitations that are put on it by, 
um, the the Jerome Robbins estate about the choreography that's used and all that stuff. And then for them to get to do Jersey Boys as the first regional theater, um, that's awesome. So if you're in the St. Louis area or want to make a trek out there, highly, highly recommend that next summer. And uh, also Elton John makes a surprise appearance at The Lion King. Yeah, uh, James, I didn't know if you knew this, but uh, the, the Lion King is celebrating 20 years on Broadway uh, here in the next week. And, they, have uh, been, uh, they were there when the first uh, Kiss Me Kate was started. That's true. They were actually two years <laughs> older than uh, the Kiss Me Kate. Uh, Revival, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the revival. Yeah, 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 the one we were talking about. Yeah, not the very first one. That <laughs> yeah, would be exactly. A, that'd be, that'd that would be, be the Phantom. longest running. Phantom yeah, would be. You know. <laughs> that would be the longest running musical on Broadway. Anyway, um, yeah, Elton John, the composer for both the film and the Sage version of The Lion King, made a surprise uh, appearance at The Lion King on Sunday, and. As he does, you know, Alan John, composer, but also, you know, a fairly, uh, you know, established and credentialed performer in his own right. Uh, he got up on stage and led a sing-along version of Circle of Life as only Elton John can. Um, we'll have a video in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com if you want to check that out. But, James, I, I've i said before how much I love The Lion King on stage, how visually awesome it is. But I've been a... Elton John fan for a long time. And, and, and this is really cool. I highly recommend, I think people mostly know his stuff from the seventies, you know, crocodile rock, Benny and the jets, your song, which is one of my top five favorite songs. But I gotta tell you his most recent stuff, which is a little less flamboyant, um, is a little bit more personal. I highly recommend that if you need some Elton John recommendations from the, for more recent vintage, hit me up on Twitter because there's some very, very good stuff. He has not lost it by any stretch of the imagination. Let's go off script for just a few little minor things here. Okay. Uh, today is Tuesday, Election Day. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. Get out mm -hmm. and vote. Uh, last night at Rosie's Theater Kids Gala, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was uh, standing at the door and welcoming people into it and says, Who are you? Do you hate Donald Trump? Come on in. <laughs> so... <laughs> So get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote. Also, our friend uh, Carrie Purcell, <laughs> Carrie Purcell had her, I think it was her first byline in the Washington Post, which was very, very fun to read. It's, uh, is he, the title of it is, is he interested in me or does he just want Hamilton tickets? And it's, uh, talks a little bit about her dating life and that, uh, when she meets people and tells them that she is a theater reporter, you know, <laughs> the inevitable question comes around. Can you get me Hamilton tickets? <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't say that I'm surprised by that in the least. <laughs> And finally, um, our good friend Adam Feldman over Time Out New York is hiring a critic. So if you ever thought that you wanted to be a critic in print for Time Out New York, uh, you should get over and hunt down Adam. He's easy to find on social media and Twitter and Facebook. And uh, he has posted a uh, job description for the critic position at uh, Time Out New York. So check that out. Can I make a recommendation sure. for that real quick, though? Just don't be like me or James. Don't be a straight white guy if you're going to apply, please. Just yeah. give us something else. I, like I said, I've talked about how much I love the fact that Vulture hired Sarah Holdren, who's coming at it from a theater creator's perspective rather than a journalistic critic's perspective. Uh, I think that was a dynamite knock it out of the park grand slam uh, hire for, for Vulture. And I hope that Time Out New York, which is 
you know, a, a, not the traditional publication in itself will think outside the box on this hire as well. I couldn't agree more. So, Matt, before you come to New York, get us out of here one last <laughs> time. All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt, And subscribe to Sound Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I will be back on this show later in the week, just not tomorrow. And uh, if you're in New York, you want to hook up with Matt, you know, tweet at him. And uh, yeah. see if you can find you for some coffee or something. Yeah. I got, I got, I got a busy schedule. Don't I don't drink, drink coffee, coffee, but uh, but I would happily if I uh, am able to fit it in a schedule. Later in the week is better for me. I'm pretty booked on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, including having dinner, James, with you and your wife. If you didn't know that, uh, but Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm a little more free. So if you do want to um, meet up, uh, tweet me, BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Oh, my goodness. I'm doing the show by myself tomorrow. Uh, Maybe uh, Rob. Rob, are you around? Let's see if we can do the show together. I will talk to you tomorrow. And until then, peace out. (laughs) Peace out.